pastors here at North Holland. And so, as is my custom, I take some conversations and put them into a letter and read that letter. And sometimes it's a way for me to share some of the, the best small group here and there chatter that I've had and to bring it all for everyone to hear, to discern, to participate in. It's a time to look back and also to look forward. And I appreciate just the um, graciousness with, with, with which this has been received. Um, I'm reminded, actually, just uh, being back from vacation, that in letter number three, I had written about just one thing that I love about North Holland. Um, one pet peeve of many of my pastoral colleagues is that whenever they leave for vacation, there's always like a handful of people who think they're the really funny ones who are like, hey, why do you need a vacation? You only work one day a week. <laughs> and I'm intentionally mocking that sentiment. Um, I'll own that. Um, and uh, it's, it's frustrating. It could be unnerving. Um, one of our elders once said at a classist meeting to that very response, um, yeah, they only work one day a week, except for all the meetings they go to, and if you ever have to call them at any time, day or night, then they're working then too. Thank you very much. Um, but more importantly, what North Holland does and continues to do that Caitlin and I were just reminded of again is the Sunday that we're leaving for vacation, we hear the same thing over and over again. Hope you have a great time. Enjoy your time away. It's sincere, it's thoughtful, it's not this sarcastic mockery. It's heartfelt appreciation and love that you extend to us and that I hope we extend to you. And similarly, when we get back, um, every person I've talked to on the phone or in person this week uh, has been the same response of, how was your time away? And I will just say, it was good. And I got to cut down a really big tree for my mother-in-law, and we are still friends after that. Even as I had her in the pickup with the chain to a cottonwood that was about two feet in diameter, and I was like, I'm going to yell no matter what, but I'm not mad. But when it's time to go, 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 all went well, thanks be to God. But as we come to the letter, we remember that the apostles of the early church wrote letters. Paul wrote many letters. Uh, Peter today is also someone who wrote letters to different churches, to different groups of believers. So I'd like to take a piece of scripture, take a passage to give us some ideas and some grounding for what kind of letter we share together here at North Holland. So before we read from 2 Peter chapter, or, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 17, I invite you to pray with me as we listen for God's Holy Spirit. God, we come to you fully aware of our brokenness, of our shortcomings, of the ways in which we just don't quite measure up, of the ways that we are stressed, of the moments that we feel that we are at our wit's end. And yet then we come to your word and we find peace, we find strength, we hear your voice guiding us once again and by your Holy Spirit leading us in paths of righteousness and truth beside still waters where you watch over us and protect us. So open the scriptures to us. As, first, as in First Peter, your servant Peter was writing to people that he loved. May we remember at North Holland today that you, O oh Lord, continue to speak to us a people that you dearly love. And not just as we are, 
But though you do love us as we are, but you also love us into being even more and all that we can be according to your will and purpose and design. For this, Lord, we give you thanks and praise. And we pray that you speak to us afresh this day in the name of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Time passes very quickly, doesn't it? A few weeks ago, I had a new reference point for the passage of time. Uh, The week before I left for Iowa for a week of vacation, I got a call for a reference um, for an individual who is applying to a, a new program. And the person doing the reference asked me, how long have you known the applicant? And I thought for a second, and then I realized that the true answer was 10 years. Because I remember meeting this individual downstairs in the old fellowship hall at the Wednesday night kickoff diner 10 years ago during my first internship year. 10 years ago. That for me was kind of mind-blowing that it's been 10 years that Caitlin and I have been here. And then in writing this letter, in, in collecting all of the thoughts, I realized that it's been seven years. This is the seventh letter that I've written in this form, that it was in 2014 that I was installed as one of your pastors here. So much has happened in seven years, much less 10 years. And no one could contain, it would be far too much to reflect on all of that. In fact, it's hard enough to just even capture what's happened in the last year. Or when we think about all that's going on in our world, it's hard enough to capture what's happened in the last month or even week. And it might make us say in our morning prayers, what is going on right now? 
what is going on right now? Do you feel the certain weight of overwhelm of all that's happening in our world and all that we are constantly almost bombarded with? Afghanistan is a huge mess. Haiti is once again facing natural disaster on top of poverty. There's fires and there's floods. There's still COVID and masks. There's hurricanes happening and touching down. There's violence, there's hatred, there's division. And it comes to us from all over the world and it comes to us in real time. And I might say it is almost too much to take in. And there's some research out there that actually, actually suggests, yes, it actually is too much to take in. Because the human brain up until you know, a few decades ago could handle all of what was happening in its village, in the village in which you were. But to keep up with all that's happening in the world all the time in real time, it's almost like our brains haven't quite caught up to the amount of technological information that we receive. It's too much to take in. It's overwhelming and it gets very hard to be grounded when we are overwhelmed. This brought me back to just a few weeks ago to the Ottawa County Fair at North Holland Reformed Church's booth. What was interesting to me is I actually shared a fair amount of apprehension about are we going to pull this off or not. And as is our custom, we did pull it off just fine and in fact did really, really well. And of course, financially, the fair did well, as it always does. But there was something else that caught me with the Ottawa County Fair booth this past year. And it was this. We were just working together again. It was groups of people from North Holland contributing to a common cause, to sharing their time and their talents, that when it was busy, we worked hard, but when it was slow, we fellowshiped with one another. There was time for connection. There was building and establishing of relationships. And also, there was just this refreshed sense of belonging. Even folks who we maybe haven't seen very recently, when you show up at the booth to work, it's like, you belong here. This is your place. It was a great story to reflect on. That just going back to the Ottawa County Fair brought us back together again. And I think it struck me as so significant and important this year. Because over the last, you know, year and a half, we're not going to look back too much because, Over the last year and a half, there's been some connections that have been damaged. There's been some relationships that have been strained or have just drifted with distance. There's been a sense of belonging that has been questioned in different ways. And what's the story that we come up with in the midst of all this? Then we were at the fair, doing what we do, but underneath it, the mission behind the mission was that we got to be present. We got to be good neighbors to the other booth workers. We got to connect. We got to relate to one another. We got to belong again. To see people who maybe didn't know each other that well or hadn't talked to each other in a long time gather together on Wednesday or Thursday for lunch or supper shift than to catch each other on Sunday because you know each other just a little bit better than you did before. The Ottawa County Fair refreshed my soul, not just because of the amazing funds that were raised, 
but because of the way that we got to belong together again while we worked together. It was a beautiful moment for me. And then I think about what's happening here. And when we can't take in all of everything in the world and you're almost told you're a bad person if you don't care about this cause, that cause, and the other, and there's actually just too many to keep up with, I have to zero back in and I have to pay attention to what's just happening right here at North Holland, what's happening right now. What are we doing or not doing? And I think about even the announcements today. There's the hymn sing tonight, in part to remember those who we couldn't gather together. We couldn't belong together for a funeral as we're accustomed to. We couldn't connect during the visitations in the same way. We couldn't relate to one another. We couldn't sit at the table in that small batch fellowship during a funeral luncheon and remember and laugh and cry and tell stories of those whom we love. I see in the hymn sing tonight a time to gather together, to connect to God through praise, to connect um, for our heritage and tradition to some of our favorite songs and lyrics, to connect, to relate to one another, and to remember that we belong first and foremost to Jesus. And then right behind that and because of that, we belong to one another. With the crossing and RCYF and Sunday school, think about the ways in which we continue to foster that same thing here for the ways in which teachers and students and helpers make a connection with one another, that those relationships can be built over time into something special and lifelong lasting. That we see people that we know after being maybe gone for distance for a long time, and when we come back, we immediately remember that we belong because of the relationships that have been forged and built over time. And then with the crossing, that we hope to share a little bit of that with our neighbors, that we hope to invite also some of those same connections that we might take for granted of the way we might gather with our families that might not happen in the same way, of the little skills that we've picked up over time, that we can share that in the same way, that we can connect, that we can build relationships, that we can invite a sense of belonging here in this place, and that for the story that we tell ourselves, we can say that we did, in honest integrity, some good, and that we did the best that we could with what we had available every time. And I also hope that just as much as the fourth and fifth grade Sunday school and RCYF students, that part of their story is one of belonging here, that the story that they tell of their home church and the way they were brought up and people who cared on them, invested in them, and walked alongside of them as they grew in faith, I hope that that's part of the story that we are planting within our youth. And I also hope that at the school across, oh, the, school across the street, that was did we lose me, John? No? All right, we'll see what we got here. Do you want me to switch to a hard mic? Um, I could go to this one. I'm going to go with this one. I think I see a one minute. Oh, there we go. I'm back. I'll just put this back over here. It's just waiting, just hanging out. Isn't that part of life, though? It is the story that you tell yourself. 
And it's what you're going to make of it in the moment that matters most. And I think about students across the street, and I hope that part of their story, if they, whatever direction they go in life, I hope that part of their story is that they knew about that church across the street from their school that cared about them. I hope that part of the story of people at Mobile Food Pantry is that they did know in hard times that there were people who cared for them, who showed up and shared food and encouragement and a warm greeting. There's all kinds of different ways in which we can change people's stories. And it matches, I believe, what Peter is writing in 1 Peter chapter 2. That of all the critique and criticism that you could get, it is God's will that we do good. And that in so doing, we share our faith. It is God's will, not that we figure out a way to out-argue or shame or silence those who we think are opposed to us, but that we just continue doing good and that we make the critiques seem ridiculous because of the good that we choose to do. I see glimpses at the Ottawa County Fair And a few weeks ago at the roofing project, I saw the same thing of just people gathering together to work together on a shared and common goal. And it was good. Now, I keep using four words repeatedly, and that's on purpose. And it's connection, relationship, belonging, and story. And those four words are important because we know now that there is a great agreement between faith and science on connection, relationship, belonging, and story, that we are wired for those things. Where psychology and theology agree is that we are wired for connection, relationship, belonging, and story. We need these things. Now consider connection. If you're connected to something, you are attached to it, maybe for short-term or long-term. But if you're connected to an IV because you need medicine, it is a matter of life or death that you remain connected. That wouldn't be a bad analogy to think about that type of connection to Jesus, that we need that type of connection to God to live a full life. However, there's also bad connections. Anyone ever touched a hot wire on accident? Yeah, yeah, several of us probably. If you remain connected to something like electricity for too long, you'll die. I wonder if part of the problem in our modern world is that our connections are often kind of hollow. I think social media overwhelms us with connections that aren't actually helpful. And in my own time of distancing a little bit from social media, I've also realized that I have missed things that people have shared. I've missed some prayer requests because I was avoiding scrolling too much on Facebook. So just as a reminder, If you want it shared, posting it on Facebook is not a guarantee that everybody else has seen it. But we need connections. We need connection to God and to our neighbor. We ought to be people who make the type of connections that matter. Perhaps to the person um, working as a store clerk or at a gas station who is pretty sick of rude customers, that part of their story could be that someone was gracious enough to be kind a simple and brief connection that can still matter. And I hear in 1 Peter him talking about us not living apart from all of these other connections, not living aside from the world, but to live a good life among the pagans, as he calls them, those who do not believe. We need connection. 
And we also are people who are called to make connections. Relationship. We are wired for relationship, and this is relevant regardless of marital status. As the blood is to our body, so relationships are to our soul. As the blood, as blood is to our body, so relationships are to our soul. Regardless of marital status, we need relationships. We need those enduring connections with which we can put our weight and trust on. We need people to invest in us, and we also learn well by investing in others. And we need people who just walk alongside of us. We need to have a relationship with God, to know God's will and to walk in God's ways. Now here's the tricky part, though. Every good thing can be twisted and turned into something less good, in fact, evil. There are also relationships that are toxic and draining, relationships that will suck the life out of us. And where maybe cutting them off isn't always the best option, learning good boundaries and how to identify relationships becomes extremely important. And to take stock and inventory, which is something we'll do over the next few weeks after Labor Day, what are the relationships that are building you up? And also, what do you do with the relationships that are going to be bringing you down? But we need relationships to belong, whether we find good or bad belonging. Places that you belong are places that you know and places where you are known. And people search out belonging like crazy. And belonging can be found in all kinds of different places. Belonging can be found on the sports team where you're all wearing the same uniform. You know that you belong together. Belonging can be found at conventions of all kinds because it's people of a shared interest gathering together. We can find belonging anywhere and everywhere. But as people of faith, our primary belonging should be with Jesus gathered in this fellowship. As Peter puts it, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, meaning once you didn't belong, but now you are the people of God. We belong to God, and therefore church should be a primary place of belonging. And some of the hardest conversations over the last year and a half for me have been that question of, I'm not sure if I belong here anymore. Those are hard to hear, patient to walk with, and often painful in their outcome. It is refreshing to belong somewhere. And I will say for myself, it is a joy to continue to belong here. And if you don't think so, then as I joked in elders this morning, keep praying. But what's the story that you're going to tell yourself? We are wired for stories. Stories light us up. Stories put certain neural pathways on, on alert that there's something happening. We are wired for story. And that also means that we have a story. Now, in, often in Christian circles, we'd call it testimony. But I wonder, what's the story that you tell yourself? about your life. Not just now what happened yesterday, but what is your life story? How would you describe it? And how does God show up in your story? Not in a forced way, but what was God up to 
do you understand that God is writing your story? Or do you think God is just kind of the type editor at the end who will try to clip out the bad parts? You have a story because you belong to Jesus. You both have a story to tell of your own, your own testimony, and you also are a part of a bigger story, the story of God's people. Story in all caps would be scripture, which we center ourselves around. We center ourselves around the story of God revealing himself to God's people. And we also get to participate in the ongoing story of God's people. And how does God show up in our story? And if you were to share your testimony with someone, what picture of God do you paint in your own story? And how do you tap into the bigger story of the church? My shorthand for telling my story as pastor here for people who I'm meeting maybe for the first time is I was installed in 2014. In 2015, we consulted an architect. In 2016, we started a capital campaign. In 2017, we broke ground. In 2018, we finally moved in. In 2019, we got to start a program year with the building edition complete. And then in 2020, we all got 2020'd. And I do think 2020'd is a verb. Not a good one either. But it's also part of our story. It's a part of it that we have to deal with. As one of um, our shared favorite professors from Western Seminary, Carol Bechtel, likes to tell us, if it's in the canon, if it's in Scripture, you have to deal with it, which also means the hard parts of our story have to be dealt with. And I hope that when you get to the hard parts of your story, you can look back and see how God was at work and that that's part of God's authorship of your story. But I would wonder, and we'll come back to this after Labor Day, I would wonder how confident do you feel in telling your story, in sharing your faith, if it just starts with your story. Do you know it, and how do you tell it? We are wired for connection, relationship, belonging, and story. There is something missing in our soul when any of those pieces are missing. And all of them can be warped and manipulated and made toxic as well. But we are wired for the good connection, the good relationships, the good and healthy belonging, and the goodness of our story and hearing the story of others. And in the middle of all that, because I don't want to turn CRBS into an acronym, but it, what's in the middle of all of that is identity. Identity is in the middle of all of it, which actually makes the acronym CRIBS, C-R-I-B-S, because our connections and our relationships will form who we are. The places that we belong shape our identity, and the story that we tell ourselves about our own life and about the life of the church, that's how we're going to find our own identity as well. So what's next? Knowing that we're wired for these things, how do we calibrate the church in such a way that we grow in those things that we are wired for, especially in a time and a culture and a place where there is a hunger for those things because they're absent, because connections can be hollow, relationships can be toxic, and belonging can be found in all kinds of horrible places. Well, after Labor Day, we're going to spend a few weeks on those, connection, relationship, belonging, and story knowing that each one of them gives a piece of our identity. And then, we hope during that time that people are signing up. Not only for the volunteering, but also that's where you're going to pour into someone else. 
But where's the opportunity where you also are invested in? We hope that there's also a good sign-up for life groups. Because the 40 days leading up to Thanksgiving, we'll be going through a series called the 40 Days of Generosity, something we'll be doing in partnership with some other local churches who are doing the same thing. 40 Days of Generosity would be a great time to make a short-term commitment to gather with a few other people, either that you know or that you don't know as well yet, to connect, to build relationships, and to belong, at least for those 40 days. 40 days of generosity will bring us all the way to Advent. Hard to believe that then we'll be in the preparatory season before Christmas. And then we'll be up to 2022. 2022 I'm pretty excited about for many reasons, but one of which being, does anyone here, by show of hands, remember Stephen Schaffer? Oh yeah, there's some good love for Stephen and Olga here. Did you know that Stephen wrote a book? Yeah, he did. Um, and I'm just me, but Stephen Schaffer wrote a book. Um, I don't think I have anything to catch up to him with, but I'm very impressed. Stephen Schaffer wrote a book about the Heidelberg Catechism, and it's a 52-week walkthrough. And I would hope that as we continue to build connections to belong with one another, that we continue that into 2022, that for life groups and for other discipleship opportunities in 2022, kind of in the backdrop of everything, we'll be going through the Heidelberg Catechism one week at a time. And if you grew up being forced to learn it, you'll know it's 52 weeks long. And hopefully as you've gotten older, you've grown, a deeper, grown in your deeper appreciation for it. So that's what's next. Spending a few weeks reflecting, taking inventory of our connections, relationship, belonging, and thinking about our own story and how we tell it. Going into 40 days of generosity, leading us into Advent, and then looking to 2022 with the Heidelberg Catechism. And with all of this saying, what's our story? What are we all about here at North Holland? What's the story that you would tell someone about your church? I would say that your story about the church is going to come out of your connections and relationships. Pastors come and go. Some preaching styles sit with you better than others. I'm still here. And yet, your connection to the church can't be based on who's on staff at the time because we expect that to change as God calls. All intents and purposes, Caitlin and I still feel very called to be here. But the connection that you're going to have to the church that's longer lasting is going to be the relationships that you build with one another. It is part of my calling to be a shepherd for this season in North Holland's story. And I am grateful for it. And I hope that as a church, there's belonging that we build together with one another. And that that's part of our story. That it's not the coolest pastor in town that draws you to church, but it, that it's the belonging that you have with the greater communion of saints and fellowship of believers. For my own story, I've reflected some on the future and the past and who I think I am right now. And one thing that I've become increasingly aware of, and I think COVID just sped this up a bunch, is that there's some competing values of what a pastor is. There is certainly a popular model of pastor as CEO. This was the megachurch movement's contribution to American Christianity. That the pastor as CEO is the builder of the machine. Pastor as CEO, I think that reduces 
members of a church to customers and falls into the lines of consumerism. But it's a very popular model because you'll build a really cool organization with pastor as CEO. And that's not me. And if that's what you need, well, pray and let me know. The other popular one is pastor as entrepreneur. Ah, the pastor with the cutting edge on everything. The, the new thing, the, the church planting, the multi-campus building, the, the everything is always new and innovated. I am not that creative. I have never been pastor as entrepreneur. And I'm okay with my boringness. And I hope you can tolerate it as we belong together in different ways. The other one that isn't as named but is still very true is pastor as celebrity, right? Oh, man, pastor as celebrity. We don't want to own that one too much in American Christianity, but it's there. They're Instagram influencers. They are the popular person. They are the most compelling person on social media. And churches are built very quickly with that cult of personality, with pastor as celebrity. They are flashy. They are smart. But who are they really? Pastor as celebrity often draws a really big crowd and then crashes down really hard afterwards. I was not popular enough in high school or college or seminary to ever claim to be pastor as celebrity. It will not work for me. And if it is the thing that you think needs to work for you, well, let me know. Or let your elders know, actually. I'd prefer that. So what is pastor? Well, biblically defined, it was just pastor is shepherd. Eugene Peterson uh, picked up on that and said more or less that the pastor is one particular sinner in the gathered group of sinners that we call the church who tries to be attentive and draw other people's attentiveness to God. I'll do my best. Friends, it has been a very full and good seven years. And I hope to continue to shepherd well and I hope that our connections to one another are restored and built. I hope that this year is one that even new relationships emerge. And I hope that there's a sense of belonging that is both built, restored, or instilled within us. That we belong here because, first and foremost, we belong to Jesus. And what are we all about? What's our story? I think God is still writing our story. And I'm excited to see what God's next chapter for us is. In the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.